Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, it is the 4th of May, 2022. Join me tonight at 7 p.m. Central on Faith Radio's Facebook page. Um, We're going to talk practically about how to pray. How do we practically pray for the concerns of the day? Uh, This is May the 4th, so you're going to hear a lot of people greeting you with May the 4th be with you. It is a head nod to... The Star Wars phrase, may the force be with you, which, of course, is a head nod to the liturgical greeting, may the Lord be with you. And so on this May the 4th, um, when people are having conversations um, about, you know, something that's culturally significant, like Star Wars, you and I can um, bring God into those conversations by, you know, helping people recognize, yeah, there really is a dark side that's trying to woo them. There really is a father in heaven. Um, There really is an invitation to come to the light. And yeah, there is a force and um, he is to be reckoned with. So uh, yeah, may the Lord be with you on this May the 4th. Um, A lot of regular people out there uh, looking around, considering the concerns of the day, um, looking at the resources within their reach and doing a lot of real practical good. And so I wanted to highlight, I wanted to highlight that many of you were just so encouraged by the, um, the story of uh, public libraries that are becoming, you know, seed distribution centers and encouraging people to plant gardens. Um, churches are doing similar things. There are community gardens popping up at churches across the country. I read about one in, um, in Michigan, where they got a grant from their diocese to um, to launch a community garden program, uh, and it's called the Garden of Grace. Their church is, you know, is has the word grace in it. So there you go. Um, and they um, they not only you know have a garden; it is a real community building effort, and so it is a way to build community in their community with with others from the community. And then to provide for the real needs of their community, um, you know, through fresh vegetables. So, you know, if you look around, you've got uh, you got green space around your church and you say to yourself, you know, there's no longer kids playing on that ball field or, you know, this is a lot of yard for us to mow. Think about converting a portion of that space into a community garden and then look around for the resources that are available to help fund such things. And um, and then invite kids in the community or your local 4-H club or the, you know, the Future Farmers of America. There's all kinds of folks out there, master gardeners, your, um, your, your county extension service. There's lots of people out there to help with those kinds of things. It's a matter of us sort of like getting off the dime and getting it done. All right. So there you go. Um, and then I like this story out of Canada. There are these developers looking around. They see the huge housing need in these urban centers. And then they see these large, largely empty, nearly empty churches 
in city centers and they think to themselves, hmm, there ought to be an opportunity here to do good. And so that's exactly what's happening. The United Church of Canada is actually partnering with a major uh, developer, and they are going to build um, housing on the property of existing large churches in city centers. Those churches are mostly empty. They serve the community through um, feeding programs and those kinds of things. In terms of worshiping communities, they're very, very small. And so that's an interesting collaboration of, of private, uh, private and public concerns as well. And then in Alabama, there are 6,000 children in immediate need of foster care. 6,000. That's not just a number. Those are individual children in need of foster care right now. And so into that concern, the church has pressed herself. Um, and there are efforts across the state of Alabama um, for churches uh, to support families in their congregations to become foster care um, foster care families. So it made me think of Maridel Sanders and the Together for Good effort in Minnesota. Um, I'm just wondering, do you see a need? And do you see ways that you might collaborate to meet the need? Do you see resources that might be available or leveraged toward that good? Make a call. Lead the change you want to see. Let's cultivate the culture that we want, that we might live in communities where there is a harvest of greater and greater righteousness. All right, Bill English joins us next from BibleandBusiness.com. It's a really exciting day. We're talking about the launch of a brand new book by Bill, Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us again, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com, here with a brand new book, Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders, and frankly, the rest of us. Now, I added that last part. Bill, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. So this is not just a book for business leaders. This is a book for everybody. It just happens to say business leaders in the title because, you know, books are like that. So let's uh, first let's talk about wisdom, and then let's talk about biblical wisdom. So differentiate wisdom from just basic like smarts. Well, smart means I boy that's a, that's actually a tough question. Uh smart means uh, it's my way of thinking uh the ability to take <clears throat> um data and turn it in and, and, and apply it uh, to my situation in such a way that I have some insight or some understanding. Now you're going to say, well, that sounds more like wisdom. Well, for me, wisdom means uh, being able to incorporate God's viewpoint into my situation and then being able to act in accordance with what God would have us do. Okay, um, I like that differentiation. And then let's talk about wisdom versus the wisdom of God. Is there worldly wisdom? Are people worldly wise versus the wisdom of God that you're seeking to lead us into? Uh, they are in their own minds. They are worldly wise, but the world's wisdom is usually antithetical to God's wisdom, and so it's not really wisdom at all in the biblical sense. 
So that's why um, sometimes in the book you'll you'll see me use the phrase conventional wisdom or worldly wisdom. In other words, the you know we 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 talk about in our in our uh, culture conventional wisdom. In other words, the current thinking is this, or most people are concluding that, and we call that conventional wisdom, or what the Bible would call worldly wisdom. But God's wisdom is very different. God's wisdom is usually uh, paradoxical to what worldly wisdom is, and God's wisdom usually and almost always forces us to trust in Him and to and to cause us to put Him at the center of all that we're doing. Uh, worldly wisdom does not do that. Worldly wisdom doesn't ask us to trust in God or, or points us to the heart of God. Uh, worldly wisdom is very different than that. All right, we're talking with Bill English. The brand new book is Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. And yes, we do have a handful of copies to give away today because he's so gracious. The number is 877-933-2484. You want to text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of Biblical Wisdom for for Business Leaders by Bill English that we have available today. Um, Why Proverbs? This is a this is a book that explores thirty sayings from the book of Proverbs. So let's let's uh, let's make the case for why Proverbs. <laughs> well, a Proverbs is part of the wisdom <laughs> literature. Uh, B. <clears throat> I was reading through it in my personal devotions one day, and I thought, wow, that's I wonder, you know, and and, and I just start to think, and I, I just start to wonder, and. Pretty soon I'm at my computer and I'm tippity-tapping on the keyboard and I have a blog post on uh, one of these uh, 30 sayings and I publish it and I think, oh, I kind of like that. And so I wrote a few more and I kind of like those too and I published those at Bible and Business and I thought, you know, I should just turn this into a book. Uh, <clears throat> I was actually uh, trying to write a book on a leadership from the life of Daniel at the time that I started this book. And uh, and I'm and I'm continuing that book, by the way, with Daniel. I'm, I'm looking at his life from a leadership perspective of how do you serve godless people when you're a Christian in business, right? There's only like you know 10 million people like who are in that situation, and uh, very few people write for the mid level or the upper level manager in business who is also a Christian. And I tend to I, I'm trying to write for those people, um, <clears throat> but I took a pit stop from writing that book on Daniel to write this book. And I really, really enjoyed it. It it flowed well. It came off the keyboard well. Um, I never not liked the book. Uh, When I was writing my uh, book on uh, Christian theology of of business ownership, there were times when I really did not like that book. And uh, I I kind of had a conflict with it a few times, but not with this one. Uh, This one just flowed and got it edited and got it out. And and, uh, it's just, it was a fun book to write. Plus, there's 30 sayings of wisdom, right? So it's it's a it's a discrete amount of text that, mm-hmm. that you can just put into a book and, and then you're done. All right. We're going to have Bill give us an overview of the 30 sayings that he has included in Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got Bill English here. And yep, we're giving away books. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. We'll be right back. This is a new day. Everything first day with hope. Coming alive. This moment, moment. 
All right, we're talking with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com about his brand new book, Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. I'm reading in the prologue, Proverbs 22, 17 to 21. Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. Have I not written 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and to speak the truth so that you bring back truthful reports to those you serve? Proverbs 22, 17 to 21. Um, what a great passage uh, to have as the lead in to this conversation um, and these 30 sayings that you deliver up for us, Bill, in this book. So thank you. Um, we talked about, you know, sort of the why of Proverbs. Uh, let's do a, a quick overview of the 30 sayings that you highlight in the book. Well, a, a quick overview. Well, saying one talks about not exploiting the poor in court or advantaging or disadvantaging ourselves uh, with another who is in a desperate situation. And that's really the core, I think, of that first proverb. Uh, when someone else is in a desperate situation, we don't advantage ourselves or take advantage of their desperateness. Um, mm. <clears throat> and saying two, we're told, told to avoid angry people because we, we might learn their ways. And saying three, uh, we do not. Okay, wait put a second. Our, wait, you can't do this, all thirty. You, you can't give away for free. No, no. This is not. This is. Not. Here is how you do a summary. You say. Okay, I don't know. You how to say do like I. Well, I'm I'm covering like categories of conversation. If you were oh, to look at I the see. sayings, okay. like you're going to see that we're going to cover topics like vengeance and anger. We're going to cover topics like okay. diligence and competence, desires and urges. I'm, read, I'm reading from the book. Faithfulness and moderation, power and strength, rebellion and submission, mentoring and succession. And if you want all oh, of them oh, and you want there. all of it, yeah, and if you want all of it, <laughs> then you need the book. You can't do every single one. on. Like, you're not, we don't have time. For, like, you don't want to give it away all for free. Oh, my goodness. You're so cute. Okay, so... Um, the book is Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders, and Bill does an excellent job taking uh, 30, 30 passages from the book of Proverbs. And actually, there's one of them that he deals with um, in two parts. So there's really 31. But I think that's so if you wanted to do this in a month, you'd have enough on the months that have 31 days, or you could smush those two together and, and still make it in 30 days if you wanted to. Was that the genius of this? No, I mm, just really took good. scripture. Well, it, it worked out that way, right? But I didn't mm -hmm. intend to write a monthly a, a, a devotional that could be done in 30 days. And I don't really even consider this a devotional. I consider this an exposition or an exegesis. Uh, it's just that the sage had 30 sayings, mm -hmm. right? If the sage had had 45 sayings, then this would have been 45 sayings. Mm-hmm. In so, which case, days might or months might have forty-five days. I'm just saying. It's who knows which <laughs> one of those. In the wisdom of God, who knows which one of those really is working itself out? Okay, talk with us. Um, right. I liked the um, I liked the the brief conversation about proverbs versus promises. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, that was a, actually even though it was very short, that was kind of hard to write. Um, promises are 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 really um, this is going to happen. I am going to do this for you. 
um, promises um, are, are something from God that we stand on, right? Whereas um, a proverb um, is really something that says, uh, this is, in, in a typical life situation, this is how things should look. Proverbs tend to be general, overarching truths that, if followed, will generally produce a desired result. <clears throat> but a proverb is not necessarily a promise. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where where we you know we're standing on the promises of God, you know, we're 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 standing on pro- we don't stand on proverbs. We never sing about that, right? We don't <laughs> say, you know, make 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 sure that you're standing on the proverbs now. Um, <clears throat> so they are universal but not inflexible principles. Proverbs are guides to direct us towards a successful and productive life. Um, but because they are part of God's inspired word, they should command our attention and our compliance. Mm. So attention and compliance, um, integration would be another word that um, I I might use here. You use the word application. Um, uh, Both of those uh, ideas that, that these are um, that these are sayings that I must accept and I must apply or I must integrate. Part of that is that I recognize I have this relationship with God. Talk about the nature of a covenant relationship and how um, this process of cultivating the wisdom of God um, helps me then also cultivate my covenant relationship with God. So stewards, one of the aspect, one of the core characteristics of a of a steward is that they know their master well. Because they represent their master. They represent his or hers uh, desires, intents, agendas, values, so forth and so on. So in order to be a good steward, you have to know the master well. Learning God's wisdom and baking God's wisdom into our lives through not just these 30 sayings, but through all of Proverbs and all of Ecclesiastes and the other wisdom literature uh, helps us represent him better. It helps us get to know his heart better. It helps us to get to know his how his mind is thinking. You know, just this morning in, in my prayer time before you know we came on the spot here, I was saying, Lord, please help me to know you, to know your mind, and to know your heart, right? And mm-hmm. the more that we know that, Carmen, the better we can steward what he has entrusted to us and the better representatives we are of him on this earth. Mm. Okay, um, so we're going to pivot super quick here because Talia is online right now asking a question for Bill. So here it is. Oh, sure. Um, she is interested to know what you think. Is this a good or not a good time to think about starting a business in the restaurant industry or for any industry? Uh, and I asked her a follow-up question for context. She said, um, you know, probably suburban, probably solo, food truck, farmer's market, probably to start, aspirations to grow into a real cafe or a restaurant someday, serving a niche market, gluten and dairy-free. The question is regarding the economy of the moment, if he thinks it's a good time to get into a new business now or not. Yes, yes, unequivocally yes, and I'll tell you And why. she's and young. I can my... tell you this. I can tell you this. <clears throat> I know she's young and energetic and good and godly. There you go. Good. I love it. Uh, several reasons. Number one, you can probably get SBA loans that are pretty cheap right now. Money is still cheap, although that's going to change later this year. Uh, number two, a lot of restaurants went out of business. If you look at how restaurants are doing today, they are packed, at least up mm-hmm. here in Minnesota. They are packed, and there's not enough capacity restaurant-wise to meet demand. So that would be a second reason. 
And uh, and a third reason, going back to what you said, Carmen, you're young and you're energetic. You do restaurants when you're young because they take an immense amount of energy and time. Uh, that's the reason you have kids when you're young is because they take an immense amount of energy and time. Uh, so do it while you're young. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would encourage you. In fact, we were looking at, at an, at a different idea, but also in the restaurant industry. And I don't know if we're going to go after it or not, but, um, yeah, I think it's good time. All right. And then let us know, Talia, where it's going to be so we can come and eat. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. All right, Bill, thank you so much. Um, you guys check out what Bill's doing, bibleandbusiness.com. The brand new book is Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. We do have a handful of copies to give away today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We'll be right back. You got me singing like You and I have been paying attention to the uh, influence of Christianity and the culture and the percentage of people who are our neighbors who no longer um, give public allegiance to Christ and certainly not giving any uh, private devotion to him. George Barna tells us that far less than 10 percent of Americans, something down in the four to six percent range, are actually living out a recognizably biblical worldview. And um, that skews to even smaller and smaller percentages as you get into Gen Z. Um, and so, it, you know, if we're talking about 2% of uh, of a Gen Z population that might be called biblically Christian in terms of an integrated life of faithful discipleship, then we are at a critical point in time in terms of getting their attention. So how do you get the attention of people in our culture who think that Jesus is utterly irrelevant? How do you get the attention of cultural Christians or skeptics or those who increasingly admit that they have no practical religious identity? Um, Well, in a market economy like the United States, one strategy is to create a provocative ad campaign to get people clicking. Jason Vanderground from Haven has done just that. The $100 million ad campaign is called He Gets Us, and my bet is you've seen some of their work. Jason joins us next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jason Vanderground is here with us. He's the president of Haven. They are um, the marketing firm behind the campaign, He Gets Us. Jason, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thanks for having me. All right. So first of all, it's genius. It's beautiful. It's provocative. Um, I think we're all going to want to know, is it effective? Tell us about the He Gets Us campaign, and let me tell everybody, you can check it out at hegetsus.com. No, thank you for, uh, those are those are really nice compliments. And um, we, we started with a problem statement about a year ago, and it was, you know, how did the world's greatest love story become known as a hate group? And uh, mm. that really got our attention. And, uh, you know, Jesus said that people are going to know that you're following me by the way that you treat each other, the way that you love each other. And, um, you know, many people were seeing 
Christianity really become much more known for what it was standing against than what it actually stood for. And of course, as Christians, we have to take a stand. But the love of Jesus is what's supposed to permeate everything that we do. And so what we're trying to do is figure out just how can we create change at a, at a cultural level by increasing the respect and the personal relevancy of Jesus to people who are really unsure about faith. All right. So I'm, I'm, taking, um, <clears throat> I'm taking notes. How did the world's greatest love story become known as a hate group? I'm going to ask that question frequently now. Like, I'm going to start asking that question because that is, that's a provocative question. And that's a question that gets people thinking. Um, when, uh, when you asked the question and then when you sought to answer it, how do we get people who are uh, paying attention to everything but Jesus and certainly concerned about themselves, people who are struggling with, um, with loneliness, people who are, you know, struggling with cancel culture, people who are in all variety of broken relationships and with anxiety and depression. And I mean, on and on and on, you go through a whole alphabet um, of, uh, of issues that we're dealing with as people in the culture today. Um, You took those realities, my human experience and the reality of Jesus, and somehow you brought them into engagement with one another. Talk about that. I mean, that's what I feel like you're doing at He Gets Us. Yeah. So um, one of the personal stories I tell is um, my grandparents were missionaries in the Central African Republic, the CAR, from the 1930s through the 1960s and served there even through World War II. My father grew up there, spent most of his childhood there. And um, with missionary work, you would you would really study the people group that you were going to serve. You know, my, my dad knew the language Sango. They would study the agriculture. They studied just all of the ways that people interacted there, their language, their culture, and they adapted the message of Jesus to that particular culture. And so that's just really what we're doing here in the United States. So we're looking at a group of people who, between those who are really skeptical, unsure about their faith, don't don't know, but aren't necessarily antagonistic. They aren't atheists or agnostic or scientists. There's some openness there. Or I heard you mentioning in, in your setup really cultural Christians, people who you would say, oh, I'm a Christian. And you go, well, what else besides that? You go, that's pretty much it. I just call myself a Christian. That's 54% of the American population. And so what we're trying to do is um, just show them how relevant Jesus is to them. And the interesting thing is the way that the value system aligns, the values that people want for themselves and their families right now, highly identify with the value system that they see in Jesus, even though they may be skeptical about Christianity. Okay, so talk about that. Talk about the alignment of the things that we say that we want, and uh, and what Jesus, who Jesus is, and what He offers. Because I think that is that is the missing link for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's you know we did a lot of research and we just worked to understand. Who were these people? What was important to them? And one of the exercises that we went through as we did the research is we, we put all of the different historical religious figures that people know. We, we put them all together. We put Jesus in that mix and said, what values do you see in each person? Gandhi, Abraham, Muhammad, um, e- even more current figures like Mother Teresa just said, what values do you see these people representing? And then we asked them, what were the values that were most important for them in their lives today? And 
the number one value that people want today is to be able to find peace, to be able to make peace with themselves and make peace with others around them. Because the top felt need that they're experiencing is toxic relationships. The relationships that they used to have with family, friends, neighbors, and they used to enjoy certain things like maybe Thanksgiving dinner together or, you know, other things that we would enjoy together now that are just a lot more difficult because there's toxic and we're arguing and we're disagreeing on things. And so they see in Jesus, somebody who was able to enter that type of environment and be able to, to find peace within that. And so the, the day that we're living in is very relevant to the example that we have in Jesus. The other three values that people saw in Jesus that also they want for themselves are approachability, compassionate, and then just loving to all. And so together, we felt like it started to create a set of values where we could spend a lot of time looking at the life of Jesus, the way that he taught, the way that he treated people, and then looking at our own lives today as Americans and just saying, where do we find similarities? Where is Jesus relevant to what we're going through right now? All right. We're going to actually um, play the audio from one of the He Gets Us messages. Um, and you can actually, you could go to YouTube um, and follow the He Gets Us messaging there. That's a great place to check it out. Obviously, you can go directly to the hegetsus.com website and see um, a lot of other of the uh, of these campaign materials. Um, I'm wondering, Jason, if you will set this up for us, set this audio up for us, um, because I think that when or, or maybe not, maybe the idea is that we don't set it up because it does um, it does have a surprise factor. So, you know what? Let's do that. So, Paul um, Perot, my faithful producer, I know I said I wanted this audio when we came out of the break, but can I have it now instead? A girl got pregnant. She was scared. Her parents thought her boyfriend was the father, but the baby wasn't his. He loved her, so he offered to raise the child with her. One evening, her water broke. There wasn't time to get help. He delivered the child and lay him in a manger. So you, um, if you were to see the images related to that, the images are very contemporary. The images are very contemporary. And until you hear the words, he laid him in a manger, you don't necessarily make the connection. And then you suddenly do. And you feel seen if you are a pregnant young woman. You feel seen if you are, um, I mean, you feel seen. You feel like Jesus gets us. He gets us, which is the campaign. Jason, talk about the use of contemporary settings and images and life circumstances. Um, we we got to take a very, very brief break. Um, but uh, when we come back, let's do that. Let's talk about the genius of using contemporary settings to help us see how Jesus gets us today. The campaign is He Gets Us. You can find it at hegetsus.com. We'll be right back. Can 
Continuing our conversation with Jason Vanderground, he is president of Haven. They are um, the firm behind the He Gets Us campaign. You can check it out at hegetsus.com. Jason, I made a mess of the setup for our conversation about um, that video and that related audio. But talk with us about the use of contemporary situations, contemporary images. They draw us in. Um, and then you make these incredible linkages to uh, the person of Jesus. Yeah, so the the ad that you played right before the break is called Teen Mom. And we ran that ad around Christmas time. And just, you know, people, Americans have seen so many different messages about Jesus and about Christianity around Christmas. And we wanted something that would would break through, something that they had never seen before. And so, you know, we were studying, if you look at, you know, Matthew uh, chapter one just talks about, you know, Mary and Joseph were betrothed. They were engaged. You know, we might understand that now as, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend or fiance and fiance. And, um, and they found out that she was pregnant. She first found out and then Joseph found out. And it, the Bible says that Joseph was planning to put her away secretly. And so we started thinking about, okay, here's a young girl. She was probably 14 or 15 at the time. We don't know for sure, but most moms were young girls, uh, 2000 years ago and she did get pregnant and and she was scared and of course the circumstances were different there we know that now but in that moment that day or maybe the day after she must have wondered we don't know for sure but we're we must she must have wondered how was she going to face her parents and what was she going to tell her friends and joseph was wondering that too i think by seeing that phrase he planned to send her away secretly and so there was some embarrassment there and you know that's the way that Jesus entered our world was through that kind of youthful vulnerability, that kind of uncertainty and maybe almost feeling ashamed for what had happened. But the Holy Spirit entered that moment and, uh, and really changed it. And so the message that we're trying to send to people is if, if you identify with that, that type of youthful vulnerability, maybe you're a, you're a, a you know, pregnant teenager, but maybe you're just in another situation where you feel that vulnerability to know that Jesus experienced it in that in his life as well, and that you have somebody in him that can relate to what you uh, went through. That's really the essence of what we're trying to do through through all of these uh, ads. So I'm looking at um, the list of videos on the YouTube page. And again, um, if you guys want to check these out, you can go to hegetsus.com and then go from there to their YouTube page or go to YouTube and um, and look for He Gets Us. Um, you know, I'm looking at the He Gets Us dinner party, 30-second ad, 28 million views. Um, the one-minute version of that same ad has 19 million views. Um, so I don't know. Tell us about that video, because I think that when we start talking about impact and influence, um, you know, you're not talking about something that's reaching a few hundred or a few thousand or even a few hundred thousand people. We're talking here about, um, well, here's another one. Uh, he gets us wrong, wrongfully judged, a 30 second ad that has 43 million views. Talk, talk with us about what you're seeing um, in terms of the impact and virility of this campaign. Yeah, I think total we're up to about 160 million uh, views now on YouTube of all the videos. And the two that you mentioned, they're one called Dinner Party. You know, and this is the idea that we're all unique today, but that's what we have in common. And Jesus invited everybody to the dinner party. He said, when you're when you're 
thinking about throwing a party for people, don't just think about your best friends and the family members that you like or your favorite neighbor, but go out, find people that don't have anywhere to go for dinner, find people that don't get invited to dinner parties and invite those people and eat with them and interact with them and find out about their lives. And so we're just saying Jesus's message was open to everybody that he said, if you're just, if you're tired of your current way of living, if you're exhausted by this world, come to me. I'm here for you. You're welcome to come to me. Anybody can come to me. So that's really what dinner party is about, that Jesus welcomes everybody to his table and would love to interact and, and talk with you. The other uh, ad that you're mentioning called Wrongly Judged is, um, it's interesting. I, I have three teenage boys right now. And as I, my son, I took my son actually to see that uh, ad be filmed in East LA. And we we just had really African-American, Latino Caucasian young men and women just out on the sidewalk doing things like skateboarding and running around the corner and riding their bikes. And, but we did it in a way where we knew the audience would kind of think, hey, what are these young people really up to? And it's not until the end of the spot that you find out they were actually going to help feed this homeless woman. And um, so much like Jesus's story, people didn't understand his message a lot of times. They didn't understand his motives. They thought that he was doing something that he really wasn't. And um, so if you've been wrongly judged, um, you have somebody in Jesus who identifies with what you're going through. So we're trying to make bold overtures to people who may have been felt marginalized by Christianity to say Jesus's message is, is just as relevant to you as it is to anybody else. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. Um, A lot of them are very, very popular in a language other than my own. Talk with us about um, the way this is translated, not only across language, but across cultures. Yeah, so maybe one example is uh, uh, one of the main ways that people connect with the campaign is, is through requesting prayer. And when we offer to pray for them, a lot of times we say, um, you can text for prayer or positive vibes. And so we know it's prayer, but for a lot of people who are skeptical about faith, they don't really know how prayer works. They, do I get an answer right away? Is it a voice? Does, is, how do I know somebody's really listening to me and I'm not just talking to myself? So they struggle with those. So we're letting them kind of dip their toe in and get used to these things for the first time and say, you know, would you pray for me? Or could you share what I'm going through? And, um, yeah, I'm open to that, but I don't really know how prayer works. And we're just saying, that's okay. You don't have to know anything to start to interact uh, with Jesus. He, There are no prerequisites to talking with Jesus. And so we're trying to make it available to everybody. And that's really what the focus of the campaign is. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's so winsome. It's so inviting. Um, I'm deeply appreciative of it. Uh, tell us how it came to be. This is uh, This is not cheap. No, I, you know, there's, there are, um, there's just a number of people uh, that are committed to seeing things change at a cultural level. And I think you go back to that problem statement, how did the world's greatest love story become known as a hate group? And as we look at what we've been through as an American people the last several years with, between dealing with everything that came with the pandemic, racial unrest, economic, now geopolitical things, um, there are so many things that are just making life really, really difficult. And we see Jesus is just so relevant in that moment. 
And um, so that's what we're trying to offer on a significant scale. And um, there's an additional website that is available for people who want to partner with the campaign. It's called hegetsuspartners.com. And so, you know, if you're an individual or a church or a denomination that would like to use this moment, so as skeptics reach out and say, I saw this ad. I have a question. You know, what does Teen Mom mean? Or that dinner party, like that spoke to me. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. We just want people to be ready as those in their community reach out. And so he gets his partners is all about equipping them with the resources to be ready to talk with people who are intrigued by the campaign. It's so good. Um, I, I love the key messages portion. Peace, love, reconciliation, living out faith. If you guys want to know more um, you can check out the whole campaign at hegetsus.com. If you want to um, if you want to dig into what's behind it and who's behind it and maybe get involved with it yourself, hegetsuspartners.com. Jason, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for what you're doing, um, and thank you for the way that you're doing it. We genuinely appreciate it. Thank you, Carmen. What a delight. All right, that's Jason Vanderground. You can um, you can follow He Gets Us, you know, on every social media platform. If you're an Instagram person, they're there. Obviously, we talked about their YouTube channel. Best place to just access all of it, hegetsus.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. Um, let's be praying for each other. If you're wondering, you know, how to be praying for others in the Faith Radio family, um, let me just tell you, folks are dealing with everything that um, that you can imagine and some things you cannot imagine. And so in this Mental Health Awareness Month, let's be praying for one another, our parents, our children, our sisters and brothers, our friends, our pastors, our pastors' wives, our pastors' kids, the kids of our neighbors, on and on and on. Mental health um, is a is a great challenge, and it is aggravated by um, many, many things in our culture. Um, and it's answered appropriately by the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. And so I'm praying today for those um, who are dealing with mental health issues in their families, Um, And so I know that for many, many of you, that's you. I see you. I hear you. My heart goes out to you. I am asking um, that those um, who we love, who are being challenged in terms of their mental health, that they would, that they would experience the tenderness of God, that they would experience the reality of God's presence, and that they would see that God gets us. He gets us. Jesus gets us. Let's be winsome in our concern for others today. Let's be winsome in our witness. Let's be praying for one another. Join me uh, tonight at 7 p.m. on Faith Radio's Facebook page for practical prayer. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.